0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets on Mayo Media Network. I am Skylar Hoke. Tom, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to a a good stretch of golf now, the Irish Open, Scottish Open, and the Open, which I will be able to attend thanks to it being a research event. So uh, I'll make sure to touch Guido's hand for you and not wash it. And uh, when we eventually meet up for the stateside, I'll uh, strike your face. Please,
0: please do. That's (laughs) T-13 at the Travelers Championship, Guido Migliazzi. So he played literally as like average as you could. And he just is one shot short of, you know, getting into the rocket mortgage. I mean, Guido is... His average now, man, is just right there where you're gonna be fringe top ten each week. It feels like that means that betting odds when he comes back to Europe are probably gonna be sub thirty to one, which uh, we're gonna to have to do some convincing to get you on him. But no, let's uh, let's get into this three week stretch. You're exactly right. This is probably the the peak of the European tour. I think um, this midsummer stretch where we get three in a row. Next week's field is incredible as well. So um, you know we're gonna be playing for the Irish Open at Mount Juliet Estate. It's Almost been two decades since we have seen this course last played when Tiger Woods and Ernie Els were up here on WGCs back in the day. Um, I know you have some links for the course, Tom. Any other thoughts on um, that you have for this week?
1: Yeah, I mean it's not typical of the Irish Open. We get these courses now in the Irish Open uh, roads, where they're not kind of links tests. So we're not everyone kind of calls it three-week links golf, and it isn't. It's a parkland course, you know, seven thousand two hundred and fifty yards, not massively long, not not ridiculously short either. It's just pretty well standard there. You mentioned uh, the WGC where Tyrone and Ernie were. Um, you look at that leaderboard, a lot of guys have played really, really well. Uh, so initially it was Lock Lomond uh, in the Scottish Open. Uh, so from 2000, 2010, um, then in Qatar. And also, um, yeah, just uh, Qatar and the Scottish Open, where they, they kind of stick out a lot. And Crancis, yeah, which European masters. So you've got three courses there that. They really don't look anything like one another really don't sort of fit in and, and the kind of concern is that they're all just the best guys i mean look at that leaderboard and they're the best guys in european tour best guys in the world and they link really well but you've got to go with what's new so yeah qatar up until uh 2020 and beyond uh sierra for the european masters and the scottish open up until 2010 so if there are any guys there that kind of fit into those courses a guy that we've been talking about uh, constantly, uh, Eduardo is the last person to win at Loch Lomond. Um, neither of us are on him this week. But this is the sort of place where he could come in and perform really well. He's played well in the Irish Open before in the past, finishing there a second, so just a, a pointer to him. But, you know, it, I wasn't that convinced by the top of the market. I do think this is an event where uh, Rory McIlroy could walk away with it. We saw him back in the past uh, walk over a, a lot of the field and make under the birdies and is a course he can do it at Shane Larry, I thought was really short in the market. I understand why he is because he's been playing so well on the PGA tour, but I think he's one of the people that gets significantly downgraded for not being a true links test.
0: Yeah, I I can absolutely see that. And, And we do come off of a winner of Victor Hovland last week, a short, you know, arguably the favorite in the field plays, you know, decent golf for, you know, about 54 holes and puts himself in a position after going really low on Saturday to just kind of cruise control on Sunday. So, you know, again, those type of events rarely have you seen either of us betting these guys up there. So I am, I'm, you know, in lockstep with you on Rory and Lowry. Um, I am intrigued, though, when we go a little bit deeper. And I do want to mention, just came out before this, Robert McIntyre did have to withdraw um, contract tracing. Um, He was in contact with somebody who tested positive. You know, looks like it should be just this week and he can be back for the Scottish, which is huge. Ready for him with that big stretch. So that does knock out a golfer who was sub 30s. Um, But there are two in this range that really do speak to me. Um, And I'll start with the one that's seeming to be very popular. If you're on odds checker this morning, sea of blue next to him. Um, And it's Sam Horsfield. Sam Horsfield ended up finishing fifth last week with a 77 on Sunday or on uh, Friday in round two, he puts together top five, six rounds of the day on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. If he shoots one under, you know, on Friday, which, You know, isn't even really course average. You know, that would probably would have been just not as you know poor of a round, but wouldn't have been that great from the position he was in, of course. And he's there tied with Hovland for a playoff. So I I really think Horsefield. We saw it pop on the leaderboard when you were on him at the PGA Championship when he had a really low one. He came out in Scandinavia was the first round leader there with a 64 as well, or right there near the top. So he's had these stretches where it's building and building and building. Last week, 54 holes of great golf. You know, he's right there. 72 holes again. So it's he's one that I haven't had particular success picking when his spots are going to be, but it just feels like he's so close to putting together four rounds of cumulative good golf, and that we know we can win now.
1: Yeah, and and that was the, that was the the fear for me is I saw everyone kind of jump on him and thought, ah, oh, you know, am I missing something? And and normally I am, and normally these these kind of bets all go really well because everyone jumps on, and, and I was the one that missed out, but. The, the obvious appeal to him is how well he played last week despite shooting at 77 right he was right up there in fifth place knows he can make birdies he can he can tell it has got this if, if the conditions are benign and they're and they get a little bit wet and and you can just fire at flags it's gonna be perfect for sam field um i think he's in a, in a completely different level uh to a lot of the field um having said that there you know there is a rory McIlroy, is shane there Tommy Fleetwood. Weedon Hout, I thought, it was a bit short in the market. Martin Keimer, again, he didn't quite get the job done, but shot 64 in a final round. I think there is that's kind of the level we're expecting him to get to, right? He should be towards that side of the market. And then you kind of got a guy I know you're going to come on in a minute, um, who I'm really intrigued by. And then you've got those kind of likes of Ryan Fox, Andy Sullivan, Anton Rosner, that like kind of a drop off from there. And he, he does fit in between. I think he's rightly placed in the market between those guys.
0: Yeah, it's just. <sighs> I ended up, you know, myself, I normally try not to get all into the top of the leaderboard. And I found myself, you know, on four guys deeper to a hundred. So settling on Sammy with that recent stretch, I think is, you know, at least safe in the, the opinion that he knows he's going to be in the mix. It seems like he's going to make enough birdies at the end of the day to compete in any tournament. It's just how can he limit those bogeys? But the other golfer that I feel is flying well under their radar as he leaves the States and comes back over and plays in the European tour after making, you know, a decent amount of, Uh, Of starts on stateside, it's Lucas Herbert. So, Lucas Herbert, Monday qualified last week into the Travelers Championship. He finishes in tied for 19th place, really strong irons, overall strong T to Green game. And the time we saw him before that was at the Memorial. So, two stronger fields of the ones that aren't majors, of course. And that is where we saw him finish 18th with a 77, I believe it was, or a 76 on Sunday. You know, that was kind of lost in translation was what was happening with uh, Morikawa and Cantley and Rahm that week, but Herbert was inside the top 10 through 54 holes so you know 33 to one is a low number you know it's not something that i mean i would have i think you see him at 50s people are picking up some steam on him but 33 on herbert in my opinion with what he's shown on the ball striking and hot golf i mean all four rounds of the travelers championship were gaining at least a half a stroke with the irons his best round being the opening one with the irons but saturday he played extremely well again the memorial championship had two really really good rounds and he put it low on the PGA championship to make the weekend where he kind of faltered a little bit. So I just like that, that stretch of golf that he's shown. So it's a horse coming over across country or across, you know, continents, but um, I think Herbert can, can make another test at going low.
1: I think he's a perfect example of, you know, you look at a side 18th and side 19th on the PGA tour and that is steady form. Okay. When you convert those two results into European tour guys and you think, right, what they've done over there, it's a bit like what Guido did last week 13th place finish that you would equate to a kind of top five contending finish on the European tour, you know, the, the level of golf they've had to play to do that, and that's not to discount the European Tour, we absolutely love it. But I think also some of his stuff that has been kind of hidden in his form because he was tied seventh in this event last year, and and Galgon Castle won't be a completely different test to what we've seen this time. So when I mentioned at the start that it was Lynx golf generally in the Irish Open, that also wasn't a true Lynx test, and that was very seventh place. And that doesn't come up in it. You look at his 20th. 20 best finishes on the world rankings, and it doesn't come under that. He's got that eighth-place finish at France which I mentioned earlier, could be a potential link. He's played well at the British Masters. He finished third there. Scottish Open fourth. So he plays well in the UK and, and Ireland. Um, the Sicilian Open that suggests that he can deal with the wind. Dubai Desert classic. He obviously won last year. So, to me, I, I don't think it is terrible value at all. I think when you first look at it and you think 33-1 is a bit short, but... When you look at the guys around him, Ryan Fox—is he really any different level of player? Dean Burmester at fifty-two, I know he had a hot run, but he's kind of going back into reverse of form. Andy Sullivan—maybe there's an argument to say that he's kind of a bit more experienced than him, but really, this is kind of his level, and he's just proven that kind of a pj tour.
0: Yeah, so that's again to your point, equal, equalizing the fields of what it could be. You know, of course, what those those last two events he did so well in are, you know quite a bit, bit above an average European tour event. And this one is definitely above average. So um I'm excited for him to get back there and, and hit the ground running. Um we're going to make a little run of South Africans. It seems like they've they've you know been dominating the sport for you know the last couple of months. So I know one who made you know his way to the front page of the leaderboard and looked like he was live for you know potentially catching Victor yesterday at the halfway point for the back nine didn't go his way. But but talk to everybody while you're on Justin Harding this week.
1: Yeah, I mean that Justin Harding is a guy that a lot of what he does depends surely on that short stick on the greens. And but I said on, on the podcast just now, he he looks like the type of guy that can just pop off at any minute on the greens. We watched Victor de on, I think it was in the third round on Saturday, where he was just draining everything. And that's the kind of thing that Harding can do, despite the fact he's got that, you know, the horrible kind of long neck fast road that looks a little bit angry and all that sort of stuff. And you do worry about him on the greens, but he was 45th at the European Open, which wasn't great, but It was bounced back from Miskal him Himmerland. 5th last week, as you said to your point, back in contention. Uh, 19th at the British Masters, 12th in Tenerife, 15th for Gran Canaria. And it wasn't that long ago that he won in Kenya and probably should have backed it out the week the week after as well. Um, if there is anything in the Qatar uh, link, then obviously he won that in 2019. Um, talking of of taking form over, I mean, this is a guy who's finished 12th in the Masters on his debut. That was after a really hot runner form he's not quite at the level at the moment but again if there's anything in that guitar length and i think he's really well placed and i, and I actually think that 55 to one and, and better in some places is decent value for a guy that we know has got the ability to win this uh this uh standard
0: yeah i love the pedigree of winning on tours you know whether whether it is across the world you know you know sunshine tours was really where harding you know you know, really cut his teeth and he was winning at a, a really extreme clip there. And it just carried over. You know, it didn't seem like it was anything when he got in contention in Qatar. I remember that victory well, you know, just sinking putts all back nine, coming out almost being the first round leader at the Masters. You know, that that stretch of golf and it is Under the radar enough right now that you are getting the odds to somebody who is in what I would view as quite solid form from just paying attention to leaderboards and potentially maybe throwing rounds away a little bit at the end, like we saw yesterday. But that doesn't mean, you know, a a few strokes here or there couldn't have been significantly different. And that would have been a a decrease in odds, more than likely, for someone like Justin Harding. Um As we go on I will go i'll start with the other South African that I am on, we also have another one that we are both on so i'll go first with Daniel van tonder we talked about him at length uh, about his performance at Kiowa you know he was third tee to green that week, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, then Daniel Van Tonder, which is as shocking, you know, as that sounds, you know, quite a, a solid week from him. You know, if he had any sort of short game that week, we would have saw him, you know, top 10, just say, and which would have been extremely high for Daniel Van Tonder. He is another golfer who has a prolific victory or, or winning in his career on some of these lower tours, sunshine challenge tour. Um, you know, that, that's Van Tonder's, you know, name of the game. And we saw him, get that second win in Kenya besting Harding and some others on that Sunday or I guess it wasn't even a Sunday it would have been like a Thursday or Friday Mm -hmm. uh, when the Savannah Classic was played but Tyner just got that game where he's so strong off the tee is a decent putter but his ball striking was really really good last week i think 100 to one for somebody like him in this type of field where he he flashed the leaderboard again was middling yesterday Uh, i just think it's enough for me to go back to the well hopefully find that form and carry over is is a tree-lined parkland's course i guess this is the question best suited for golfers who can really bomb it off the tee It, it could be limiting in some factors and and you know I, if you are accurate enough with that distance, I think it really does benefit those that can really overpower it off the tee. If you are a Rory, you know, with your driver, maybe some other golfers are a little bit scared and don't want to be as aggressive because it's so tree-lined in parklands. But you know, that to me is where Van Tonder can make up some ground and at hundred to one, it's more than enough to, to win over that argument to be on my betting card.
1: And that is exactly the, the, the problem I face, and I, I knew, I said to you earlier when you, when you sent me your picks, is that I yeah. knew he was going to come up, because, you know, we've spoken at length phase off the T game, you're very much very high on people like, and the next guy you're going to come on in a moment, um, is an off the tee, you know, figure as well. And my thought process was, we don't need the off the tee here, he's it's not, it's not going to dominate. If it was actually more of a links test and he could bomb it down there, it, it would kind of probably help him because it would be wide open, he can really take advantage of that power. On the other hand, like you say, is that there's going to be guys that everyone's going to miss the fairways this week. Everyone's going to get a little bit of true travel. It's going to be a bit of a lush rough, but he's going to be the guy that's going to be closer to the hole. He's going to be the guy that's going to hit it longer and straighter more often than everybody else because he's gaining these strokes off the tee all the time. It's not even just every now and then. It's just a massive, massive asset, and we're seeing it now. Um, and My biggest concern, I think, is that I've, I've looked at a guy like Richard Mansell all year, who's a guy that's really gained off the tee and it's not quite Turn into results, but like you said, Van Sonder last week, his approaches were so much better, um, and that, and that was really highlighting for me. So I think that can help. Um, so although I think that the next South African we come to was more suited to success for me based on what he's done in his career, that's over a large twenty-five years, you know, career span. Whereas Van Zonder, we're still not entirely sure what it is that he can bring in total. We think we know, but until we see two or three years of it solidly, sort of we we really don't.
0: Yeah. And, and again, it's almost the Harding route of what his his golf form or career has really taken two years ago to that point. So um, but yeah, I think let's uh, let's talk the other one, the the career, I would say, warrior, fighter, you know, grinder. Yeah, that, big, that big journeyman,
1: we, we like to call him, don't we? And Darren Fitcher is is a guy that you, you think because he's been around for so long, you think he doesn't win. And, and he has, you know, he won five times on the European tour. He's won a bunch, you know, elsewhere. And his first, and the years between his first and last, it's like 16 years apart. So he's been doing it for an awful long time. He hasn't won the European tour since 2017. But as we spoke about earlier on in the season, we've had a couple of heartbreaks with him already, is that his iron game which has been absolutely superb. I mean, he was fifth in both uh, approach and tees green last week. Um, and and he did. He lit. He lit the side that we weren't actually on him. And 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 I was kind of ready to message him on Saturday and say that you know the one time we haven't both put him up. He he uh, he's going to go and get his win, and then luckily he slipped away for us. But I think that's kind of given us enough of a a value this week on a course that should suit really well. I mean he's been second in this event before. Uh, he lost in the playoff uh, to Soren Hansen, which Richard Bland also lost it. Um, you know that kind of sums up the two. And um, he's won the Qatar Open and and played well there on multiple occasions as well. So if there is anything, again, it's it's, it's a kind of, it seems like a tedious link because it could just be that the guys that have played so well in their WGT events are just the best players. They've got lots Qatar, they're still the best players. It could just be something like that. But Kranz as well, he's got a couple of top tens there. If there's anything in them, then I really like Darren Fisher. And, And as you rightly go on to say, his approach
0: game is superb. So, I mean, you think about the last three European tour events he's played. Or, or four, realistically. BMW International, you know, finishes fifth. You know, we have Scandinavian mixed. And and truthfully, in the Scandinavian mixed, I think it was till Saturday. Um, yeah, I think Saturday he blew up. But he was top five, you know, finishing out uh, on Saturday. So, there you have that. And then we had him um kenya savannah which 10th that was the week both of us were on him that week arguably again first page there's a leaderboard for a majority of it so you know we realistically see you know Fitchard being in the mix you know every single time he's teed it up over the last month on the european tour i guess two months of that time frame but you know, to get somebody like that at a hundred to one feels like stealing to me. So yeah, he was right away uh my first bet. In terms of consistency, I mean it, it, he's
1: only missed one cut in his last fourteen starts, and that goes right back to the end of last year. Um and he's had I think three top fives in that time. He's had a second at the Qatar Masters, he's had three more top fifteen finishes to the So he really has been a figure of consistency. The thing that always holds everyone back on Darren Fisher is his his win with equity right but 180 to 100 to 1 whatever but 20 to 1 and bigger for a place even I think that's just great value because we're looking at guys we're looking at Shane Larry double the price of Shane Larry's win total just to place in the top eight I mean or yep. top five you know in stateside really to me it just I think it's a perfect test for him I think when you look at it and, and the sounds of it and I don't I was too young to really remember mount Juliet when i played in 2004 I, I probably watched golf but i wasn't a gambler because i was 11 years old so um <laughs> sure you, you, know, sure you were yeah yeah i mean yeah i wasn't legally a gambler um you know 1 or whatever it is that they <laughs> die when you've got a gambling problem but he you know i just think he's great he's a great guy he's a great professional he's been around and he's well respected by his peers and i think that he he's comfortable in any pairing he gets into he's not someone that if he gets paired with Daniel Van Sonder, if he gets paired with Roy McElroy, he's not going to chase them and try and go blow to blow them. The driver he's just going to play his game steady, find those greens and up some uh, opportunities.
0: Yep. I, I agree completely. And now I'm going to go on the absolute flip side with, with this selection here, but as opposite of Darren as you can get is Vincent Norman. So this is, again, I, I was furious that there wasn't the shot <laughs> heard around the world of Robert McIntyre at the WGC Dell match play when he put it to two feet on that par four, I think in the match with with DJ or maybe it was matched with with Nah or whoever's in that group with him to to end that and win that match. And there's no video of it anywhere. So now you're telling me there's no video <laughs> of Vincent Norman acing a par four like. Like it was nothing, you know, I mean, I think there was like a little tweet afterwards potentially, but it went hours without communication unless you were on, you know, bet three, six, five tracker going through somebody who was in 30th place. You wouldn't have noticed the albatross, you know, off the tee, which also happened on the ladies European tour too. There was two of them um, over the weekend, which is just incredible as that, you know, I think it's happened what once or twice yeah. on the, on the PGA tour. Um, so I think overall, you know, that's, um, quite, quite a weekend, but I think Vincent Norman, you know, he was a golfer that somebody, um, you know, you see, make the, the appearance as an amateur, maybe the Matthias Schmid types who, who kind of struggle out of the gates. And then after a few miscuts, they might get going. And like we saw Schmidt on that front page of the leaderboard last week, you know, it took him a couple of cuts and some, you know, blows to, to get through it. Now, Norman has done the opposite. We see him 12th Scandinavia, which to me, you know, that event was hard to really understand what the, the a 12th place finish in a week men's side of it combined with the women's okay, but then he goes out and finishes tied for fifth at the BMW International, he is again. He went to Florida State as a, I think it was a grad transfer. I think he spent he spent his last year there after going to college um, in Georgia. Was quite strong, you know, with with multiple victories in his collegiate career. But his off the tee game that he has displayed, leading last week off the tee, and tee to Green leading off the tee in Scandinavia of the men's side, you know, he just really has a unique skill set that to your point, could it be limited here or could it just be full go? I am going to be 50 yards ahead of everybody else and, and hack it out if I need to from a weird angle and then just get up and down from the green because that's what I was worried about is his around the green game and putting His around the green game specifically wasn't very good two weeks ago. It was excellent last week. And, you know, you pair that together to get that short game at, you know, a bigger test, but the numbers stayed the same. So I'm willing to go back to the well at one for him
1: always like a Scandinavian in these in these opens you know Scottish Open Irish Open the Open he always seems to see a Scandinavian car out there and I'm going to come up to a long shot one later on but Vince Norman did not win a car for acing a par four so if he had made the ace on the par three he'd have got a he'd have got a BMW he is literally they have made him to add insult to injuries. no video of him making his par four ace so they've got a, a, a sort of half ass tee shot of his in video and then they've made him stand in front of the car that he did not win with a bottle of champagne that he was given for making an ace on a par four. I mean, I tried to tag on Instagram to say, just give him the car. Um, it didn't work. I, I don't know quite how upsetting that would be to go, I've just made an ace on a par four, but I didn't get it because 150 yards would have been better off. Absolutely insult to injury. And I don't know what that gained him in terms of off the t- whether it would gain strokes off the tee or gain strokes in the approach. You'll know better than that um but you know 100 to 1 again a bit like Daniel van sonda is we don't know exactly what he's going to be in two or three years time we know what he can do now and we know he's really really impressive and look this is a field where there's the, a the question mark over a lot of the top of the market i think i mean Rory's playing some good golf again so he could easily walk this if he does he does it 11 to 2 not too worried Shane Lowry, I think, prefers a different test. Tommy Fleetwood hasn't been Tommy Fleetwood for an awful long time. Christian bess is too short. Martin Keimer is too short. Sam Portfield, you've spoken about. Bob McIntyre is now out. And then you, you spoke about Lucas Herbert. I think there's a lot of, you know, Thomas Dietrich, Thomas Peters, Jason Scrivener, Lauren Cantor. These are all guys, yes, they've got to be well-respected, but there's there's no reason to jump on board. Rasmus Fogard has been a guy that was really, really popular last year. Two Two wins gone off the boil and Vincent Norman's double the price while he's on this hot runner form, we don't need to know if he's going to be good in five years time. If he's good now while he's a one, it's good times get on board.
0: Yeah. And he's now officially a pro last week was his pro debut. He went out amateur the week before. So now, you know, he's playing for money. He's playing for his, his, potentially European tour card as he continues going as there's not the Q school. So he's going to need to himself advantage. a BMW if they're not going to give him.
1: One.
0: Hey, I love it. I love it. I don't even know if they gave Newton um, anything on the, the ladies European tour. They, they need not. to get a double double BMW <laughs> yeah. uh, for, for the double Eagle or, or what the Albatross is as I like to call it here in the States. But um, so if we go through, I have one more long shot. I know you do as well. You might have a, another duo down here, but who sticks out to you a little bit down the board? So I have got
1: Eddie Pepperell. Now, he is a guy and he's going to be well popular this week because he performs incredibly well when he goes to the UK and Ireland. Um, he has won the Qatar Masters. He's been runner up in this event before, um, you know, back in 2015, tied 11th, tied 12th in recent weeks. His strokes gain approach numbers have been absolutely superb. So his last three starts, he's made the cut. He's finished second, fifth and 22nd in strokes gain approach. Um, so Eddie Pepper is a guy for me that he's kind of a bit of an enigma. He kind of either misses 10 cuts in a row and doesn't really care about golf, or he really gets a bit between his teeth and starts firing again. The way he's in his eyes suggests that he's in that form, and he really, really loves his stretch of golf. He loves playing in the UK and Ireland, loves playing the Irish, Scottish, and then eventually the Open Championship, where he has performed well in the past. Um, his driver is obviously still a weak point in this game, but like we've been sort of debating now, we don't know whether that's going to be a big issue i think there's there's room enough to be slightly wayward with it and hopefully there's going to be a lot of holes we just need to use it as well so for me just the way he's striking those irons i think that he's got a great chance at i think he's 81 he opened up this morning.
0: yeah i mean eddie's well it was the british masters right where we were you know really you know gung-ho on him until what the back nine you know yeah. until sunday when, when it really fell apart so he had shown some some really strong flashes always Always can get behind Eddie. Um, the one that I am siding with, um, and I and I'll reference, you know, Jason, uh, your co-part on Lost for Words, um, halfway house, you know, he was kind of tweeting about Niall Kearney over the weekend um, as he was the 36-hole leader. And and you could just see in his iron game, you know, he was leading through approach to those rounds. Friday's approach game was unbelievable. Um, on and and he's done that multiple times where he's racked up a lot of birdies, had been high from an approach standpoint across and just hasn't, you know, finished it out with a strong weekend to really get into a spot where he's either getting, you know, status or getting, you know, the ability to, to carry it over what Cannery Islands, I think was the fourth place finish that he had that brought him into the British masters, but it was a string of miscuts after that. And then that led him to last week's 12th place. So, you know, now in his, uh, home country, you know, Irish open Irish guy that I think You know, if there is a sense of a home factor for him, or if he can just continue that form that we saw where, you know, he was quite clear at, at, you know, I think two or three clear at one point on Friday. Again, it's, he opened, I think in the 200s, I saw maybe even 250s out there quickly bet down into the 150s. I saw um, quite a bit stateside here. So I think he makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of Long shot, trending form, trending irons, you know, narrative of the country. And somebody that is just, if you are paying attention, has flashed on leaderboards a decent amount, you know, more than the the form would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you look at his last, what, 12 events, that goes back to the end of last year. He had a tied 22nd, tied 14th, tie thirteen, tied 30th run towards the end of last year. And then, like you say, you just mentioned the Canary Islands, where he shot 61 and finished tied 4th. He was tied 21st in Grand Canary two weeks before that and tied twelve last week. I joked with Jason when he said that, um, you know, he's been making birdies in a bunch. I so said, yeah, he's just got to stop making bogeys now and he'll be fine. And that is the kind of the issue with him is he's not managing to put four complete rounds together. But as we've seen with so many different golfers over over the years, especially on European Tour, it takes a while. And he's not a Richard Bland that's played 465 times and not one. He is... He's, I think he's 31 or he's he's, he's in his thirties and he does look a guy that hasn't really played at this level before, but he's adjusting to it and he's getting so he's getting comfortable. It was someone like Dale Whitnell, he went years before, since making his debut on the European Tour without actually getting back to that stage and now just keeps churning out cuts after cuts after cuts. So once you get comfortable with it, once you're not worrying about keeping your card, once you're not worrying about um, prize money as much, I mean, they're, obviously they're all worrying about prize money, but to a certain extent. Um, because this will be the first time he's probably felt comfortable about playing rights or playing opportunities. And he's, he's really just gonna go and take a of that form now. It's gonna be a home game for him. Um it's whether the narrative suits. And it just felt like to me, like I just knew it was gonna happen. And and it's easy to say that now because it's happened, but I just I couldn't see him holding up to I, I mean, I thought it was gonna be burnt viesburg, it was gonna put the pressure on yeah. as well as I just thought they were just going to queue up behind him, and he was really going to crack the bed, and and he did to an extent. But you know, he's got guys up there. Victor De Bruson played incredibly well. Jorge Campillo has won multiple times in the European Tour. Andy Sullivan was there. You know, it's not it's not like he's faded away in like these. You know, last year we had like the Uram Open and Scottish Championship, and they're really weaker fields. It's not like he's done it in that. He's done it in top quality, and he shot 72-71. They weren't higher results. They just weren't good enough on a course that demanded birdies.
0: Yep. So that that for me uh, wraps up with that. Is there anybody else that you uh, want to give a shout?
1: Yeah. So if the Qatar Masters has any sort of relevance whatsoever, then Joachim Lagergren was second there in two thousand and seventeen, and you look at his Irish Open form. He's got a fifth, a twelfth, and a thirty-first place finish. Um, and this is a guy that I think was hundred and twenty-five to one uh, back at, uh, in uh, the Porsche, and he's now three hundred and fifty to one. He opened up when he's won in on Challenge Tour Northern Ireland as well. Um, he's a guy that has just incredible form of Dunhill Links. He's he's constantly up there, and he, he's normally a really popular pick uh, among punters. Joe Canagarajan. He, he's someone that seems to be really popular. at Hundreds one. He goes down to like sixty six to one. He gets a bit short, and he misses a cut, and everyone gets off him, and so they're never backing him again. Um, three hundred and fifty to one, three hundred to one for a, an event that he's proven played well in. He plays well at Qatar Masters. Played well in this. Played well generally in Britain. I uh, I quite like the price at three hundred to one and bigger.
0: And he can find that short game. That putter gets real lights out um, for time. So, yeah, I, I enjoy when, when he's hunting leaderboards. So that, for me, puts a bow on uh, the week. We're really excited. Like we talked about a three-week stretch of some uh, real high-quality events, Scottish Open, um, coming up next week, and then of course the Open Championship right on there. And, and next week's field is is really strong. We get a mix of the PGA Tour guys coming over. Will Zal Torres playing? Excited for that. Um, and again, if you want the audio version, please feel free. To rate, review, subscribe. You can find us daily fantasy sports picks and bets. The mix on all the different podcast platforms that would be huge for us if you prefer that to listen to us each and every week as we'll be delivering these european tour shows for you uh we really appreciate the support so tom can you run down that betting card one more time for me
1: yeah, so i've got justin harding at 55 and 60 to 1 uh eddie Pepperell and darren fitchart around 80 and 90 to 1 mark and joe kim lagergren as well and i, and I really do like your two guys at 100 to 1 um you know daniel van tonda and Vincent norman i think they're guys that should be kept an eye on I will be gutted for both of us if Eduardo Molinari gets the victory, but you have to at some point give up on a player.
0: You do, you do at some point, and I'm rooting for Dodo always, but my pick, so Sam Horsfield 28 to 1, Lucas Herbert 33 to 1, like you said, Van Tonder and Fitchert at hundreds, Norman with them as well at 100 to 1, and then Kearney, see him available 150s or ish right about now, um, so best of luck to everybody this week, again, this should be a a real, uh, you know, Irish touch. and then hopefully we get some links action as we prepare for the Open Championship, so best of luck everybody and thanks again for listening.